Y'all, today, today we celebrate what's called the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. This was, or at least it should have been, the Lord's crowning day. But we find in Luke chapter 19, on page 929 in the Bibles in front of you, if you want to follow along there, 929 in Luke chapter 19, in verse 28, we find a narrative, y'all, that is written by a doctor. Y'all may not have known this, but Luke was a physician. He was not an apostle. He was not one of the twelve. He was a doctor that set out to write a very logical and concise narrative of the life of Jesus Christ. And when Luke gets to verse 28 of chapter 19, he writes, When Jesus said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village opposite you, whereas as you enter you will find a colt. Find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. And so those who were sent went their way and found it just as he said it to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of the colt said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, threw on their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as they went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near to the descent of the mountain of olives, a whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Are you hearing my loud voice? With a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. And some of the Pharisees called out to Jesus from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. As you see, Instead of this day being the crowning day of Jesus as Lord and King, it was a day where the religious leaders were hostile toward Jesus and completely rejected Him as Lord and Savior of the world. In Dr. Luke's account of the Lord's entry 
Our attention is first drawn to the triumphant coming of Jesus Christ. As Jesus comes over the crest of Mount Olivet. The city of Jerusalem unfolds before him. And he would have seen enormous crowds in the neighborhood of two, maybe three million people in the city and in the areas surrounding the city. And on this first Palm Sunday, Jesus began his final entry into Jerusalem to present himself as the Savior and the Messiah of all of Israel. And by doing so, it was like Jesus was throwing a match into a barrel of gunpowder. For within five days, five days after this, Jesus would be dead. But can I tell you that the next time he comes, Jesus is coming as the conqueror of evil and the judge of all sin. Somebody say amen. He's coming soon. And then Dr. Luke shifts gears and he indirectly points out ways that you and I should be like this humble cult of Jesus Christ. Look back again at verse 30 where Jesus said, go into the village opposite you whereas you will enter and find a cult tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you why are you losing it, thus you should say to him, the Lord has need of it. And so those who were sent went their way, found it just as he said. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners of the colt said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. Now, the Lord sent two of his disciples into town to bring this animal to Jesus. Now, oddly enough, a donkey's colt is a lot like me and you. Somebody say amen. Now, I ain't calling no names here, okay? But let me tell you a little bit about a colt. A donkey's colt. A donkey can be awfully hard-headed. Anybody here hard-headed besides me? Thank you, Shan. Thank you, Logan. Good deal. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Brett. Thank you. I know Cooper is. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I see you, Liam. We're all a little bit hard-headed. It's just a matter to what degree, right? We're hard-headed, but a donkey can also be awfully stiff-necked. What does stiff-necked mean? Stiff-necked means I'm going to do it my way. Nobody's going to tell me how to do things. I'm going to do it my way. But a donkey can also be very self-centered. It wants what it wants. We're just like a donkey's colt in many ways. But the first thing that we notice what Dr. Luke says is that this colt had to be redeemed. This colt had to be sought by the disciples. Had to be bought in whatever shape, form, or fashion, and then it had to be brought to Jesus much in the same way that lost sinners come to Christ. Consider this. Jesus sent his disciples to do what? To make 
more disciples. For centuries, y'all, that's the way it's been. That's why we focus on things like the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and the Annie offering, right? Because God sends his disciples to make more disciples. If God didn't want you here making more disciples, do you know where you would be? You would be in heaven already. Amen? But the reason that you're still here is because you are a disciple of Jesus Christ and you are called by Him to make more disciples. Okay? That is your high and holy calling as a Christian. That supports the idea that in order to make a disciple, you first got to be one. Amen? That should be very piercing because as we look in the mirror, we need to ask ourselves, are you a disciple? Because you can't make one if you ain't one. Amen? We need to understand that's exactly the way that Jesus outlined in his plan. When we humble ourselves in obedience to Christ, we too, like this cult, can be redeemed. We can be saved from the awful penalty of sin. We can be raised to new life in Christ. And we can be used then for the glory of God. We can make more disciples for the glory of God. But not only did this cult have to be redeemed. We also find that this cult also had to be released. You remember that cult was tied to a post. That cult was very much alive. But that cult had no freedom. Tied to a post. Alive, yes, but no freedom. And when the Lord's servants challenged their owners about loosing this cult, they simply responded by saying, the Lord has need of it. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus has redeemed you? He has released you. Why? Because he has need of you. Jesus has need of you. Of you. When Jesus saved you. And when he gave you freedom from all your sins. He did so with a great, great purpose. He had a plan. Jesus desires that every single one of you. Become part of what he calls. His body. The church. This is the mechanism through which God takes disciples to make more disciples. This is the unit. This is the organism by which God uses to glorify himself in making more disciples. But you've seen it before. So often, people get redeemed from the penalty of sin. They then get released from the bondage of sin. And then they decide that they're going to sit on the sidelines and they're going to get served instead of serve. Let me tell you, that was never part of Jesus' plan. He came as a ransom to serve, not to be served. And we are called to be just like him. But that's not all. Because his disciples brought this redeemed 
and this newly released animal to Jesus for this reason. Here it comes. If you're ready, say amen. This animal needed to be ruled. Not just redeemed. Not just released. It needed to be ruled. This colt had not been redeemed and released to go kick up its heels and scamper around out in the meadow free from care, free from concern. No, sir. There was a plan. On the contrary, this colt was brought under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, literally and figuratively, under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the disciples put their clothes on the colt, and then they put Jesus on the colt. But notice this. That colt had to surrender its own will to Jesus Christ. That colt now went where Jesus wanted it to go. That colt now did what Jesus wanted it to do. It was under the authority. It was being ruled, if you will, by the Lord Jesus Christ. This donkey had one supreme task. And that was to lift up Jesus Christ so that everyone could see him. That is an incredibly insane picture of Christians. Because that's my job and yours. To lift up the Lord Jesus so that everybody can see him. Get this. Because of what the disciples did, multitudes saw Jesus. Had he not been on the cult, he would have just been another faceless person in the crowd. But he was lifted up. And the multitude saw Jesus. They lifted him up, whereby Jesus could finally say, I am your king. I want to redeem you. I want to release you. And I want to rule over you with loving care and concern. But immediately following that, Dr. Luke shows another way that we as his people should respond to this incredible truth that Jesus is the king. And that is through the praise chorus for Christ. Going back to verse 36, uh, as Jesus went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude... The word multitude uh, brings to mind thousands, okay? The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen Jesus do. And they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I believe that those thousands... Those multitudes, they started putting two and two together. They saw Jesus and they immediately began to remember the Jewish teachings they had learned when they were kids. 
the Jewish teachings about Israel's coming king, the Messiah, the Savior. And they remembered the prophet Zechariah when he said this in chapter 9 of verse 9. Zechariah said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Just another name for Jerusalem. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly, riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And oh, how those multitudes obeyed the prophet. First, they rolled out the red carpet for Jesus. Spreading out their clothes on the ground and putting palm branches down before God. And then as the colt got closer to the bottom of Mount Olivet, the multitudes began to recognize Jesus as their promised Messiah from God. And the whole multitude began to shout for joy. Oh, they were so happy that the king had come. They shouted, Psalm 118, verse 26, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Oh, friends, wouldn't it be awesome if we rejoiced in our salvation like that? I think we've got too many mopey Christians around town, don't you? Man, why not park a smile on that face? Y'all look a lot better when you smile and somebody say amen. Amen. Let's rejoice in our salvation that we've been chosen by the hand of God to be redeemed, to be released, and to be lovingly ruled by our Savior, our Messiah, King Jesus. I mean, if you can't praise Jesus down here on earth, can I tell you, you're going to have a real problem when you get to heaven. Here's how I know. In Revelation chapter 7, in verse 9, John says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, thousands upon thousands, which no one could number, of all nations and tribes and people and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and get this, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation! Belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne. And the elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne. And they worshipped God. And they said, Amen. Somebody say Amen. 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 Blessing and glory and wisdom. Thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to God forever and ever. Amen. That's worship in heaven right there. Just a glimpse, mind you. It should be how we worship on earth. That should be how Christians worship. The whole multitude praised Jesus as their king. But isn't it amazing? In just one week's time, when they realized that Jesus had no desire to be a political leader. That he wanted instead to save their eternal souls. That he wanted instead to change their life. 
many of them would turn against him. And instead of saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, they would shout, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. But finally, Dr. Luke addresses these ignorant critics of Jesus. Take a peek again. At verse 39, then some of the Pharisees, that's the critics, some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to shut up. But Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. See, these religious leaders thought the crowd was being sacrilegious. They thought the, the crowd was being blasphemous, ungodly. And by the way, they were the ones that were going to declare a new king when he came. And nobody was going to circumvent. Nobody was going to challenge their authority. Much less an itinerant preacher on the back of a donkey's colt. And so they told Jesus, Jesus, keep your people quiet. But Jesus said, if my people were to quit joyfully praising God, what would happen? The rock would cry out. The rocks would cry out. The rocks would cry out. Verse 40 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I tell you, if my people were to keep silent, the rocks would cry out in praise to God. The New Living Translation says it this way. If my disciples keep quiet, the stones alongside the road would burst into cheers. The Message Translation says, if my followers were to keep quiet, the stones will shout praises for them. You may remember what Brother Howe said last week. He said, are we going to let rocks do our job? Are we going to let rocks do our job? I don't want to have Jesus having to resort to using stones for praise. No. That's my job. My job to give God praise. But it's more than a job. It's also a privilege. It's a privilege as one of his own to give him and offer him praise. I mean, friends, what would happen if your employer decided they were going to train AI, artificial intelligence, to do your job? By the way, that's coming. Y'all know that, right? Keep your eyes on the skies. Amen. I mean, you know, what would happen if your company said, you know, all you are around here really is dead weight. So we're going to hire some rocks because they're easier to deal with and they're cheaper. Amen. Would that upset you? Uh-huh. Well, if we're not doing our job, if we're not doing our job praising the Lord, that is exactly what's going to happen. Rocks are going to cry out praises to God. But I wondered if rocks could cry out praises 
what would they say? So look back in the Old Testament, back in Exodus 17, we were telling our kids not long ago that there was a day when Moses tapped on a rock and water come gushing out for the people. What would that rock say? Praise God for providing the needs of his people. In Exodus chapter 34, we read that God went up Mount Sinai. And he received ten commandments written on two tablets of stone. Praise you God for giving your people some direction. We sure do need it. In 1 Samuel 17, the power, through the power of God, a little shepherd boy named David brought down a huge giant with five itty bitty little stones. Praise you, God, for taking down the giants in our lives. Amen. In Nehemiah chapter 4, the city of Jerusalem was rebuilt with large stones. Praise you, God, for rebuilding the lives of your people. I'm so thankful Jesus rebuilt Bill Barlow's life. In Matthew chapter 4, Satan tempted Jesus. Said, turn this stone into bread. I'm so glad Jesus didn't fall for that. Praise you God for your sinless son. In John chapter 8, you remember the story. There was a woman caught in the act of adultery. And they said, stone her with stones. And Jesus said, let you who are without sin cast the first Praise you, God, for saving us and giving us a second chance. But then finally in Mark chapter 16, there was a stone. I told the kids yesterday that this stone was the size of a car. And the stone was rolled in front of the tomb where Jesus lay. What would that stone say? Praise you, God, that the grave couldn't hold him, that death couldn't defeat him, and that God brings victory to his people. Praise God. So if those are the ways that an old rock would praise God, should you and I do any less? I mean, if we fail to obey the Lord, if we fail to praise God, if we fail to recognize Jesus as the king of our lives, if we don't do it, who will? Stones. Listen, someone or something is going to worship God. You can bank on that. I'm praying, God's praying, that it's you. How many days do we go through the monotony of our day without once praising God? And we're his people. Friends, just a few days after these events I've described to you, your Jesus, that's right. 
Your Jesus. Your Jesus was tried and crucified. I mean, the whole last week of his life was so confusing. There was praise and rejoicing by the multitude. There was teaching and encouragement by the greatest teacher the world's ever known. There was trials and lies by the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, and all that bunch. And then there were brutal beatings and the torture that you have never known. And then... There was talk. There was a whole lot of talk about the impending death of Jesus. But on the Thursday night before his death, Jesus shared a very special evening with those men who were closest to him. You might say it was kind of like the, the calm before the storm. You know what I mean? It was a, a peaceful break before those last ruthless 12 hours of Jesus' life. And it was right there in that upper room on that Thursday night where Jesus instituted something called the Lord's Supper. And he commanded Y'all hear me? Jesus, our Lord, our King, commanded that we too do this in remembrance of Him. So it's not only our privilege to partake of the Lord's Supper, it's also our responsibility. Think about it, y'all. If we, His people, don't praise Him... What other people are going to? Who will? If we, his own people, don't remember him, who's going to? It's on us. We are called to remember what Jesus did for us. And in Luke 22 and verse 14... Dr. Luke again, from a physician's standpoint, very critical, very detailed, very logically minded, said that when his hour had come, Jesus sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And they said to the, he said to them, it is with fervent desire that I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Indeed, the Lord's day of suffering was upon him. Previously, Jesus had gone to a garden and prayed that the Father would take this cup of suffering away from him. But God's plan was already set in motion. God's plan was already set in motion to save the human race. And so when we observe the Lord's Supper, we do so to remember. 
to remember this incredible, precious gift that Jesus Christ gave to save me and you from ourselves. What did he give? His very life. His very life. And the Old Testament foretold that it was going to be that way. Isaiah said that the Lord was going to give his body for us. He said that he would be wounded for our transgressions. That the Lord would be bruised for our iniquities. That the chastisement for our peace would be upon him. But by his stripes, we would be healed. If you would, there should be some Lord... Supper portions in front of you. And if you would, invert it and take off, peel off that bottom part, and you'll find a piece of unleavened bread. I've got plenty more up here. If, is there more? Needs more? Anybody else need one? When you've got that piece of bread, would you just lift it up so I can see that everybody got one? Everybody got it? Okay. This bread, this piece of unleavened bread that you're holding, this represents the body of Jesus Christ. Now, Brother Hal is going to Pray in a moment and give thanks for the body of Christ that was broken for me and you. Brother Hal. Dear God, we just thank you so much for coming to this earth and loving us enough yes. to save us. Yes. Dear God, so sacrificing your body, Lord, as the ultimate sacrifice for us. Dear God, Help us to be worthy of it. Help us to mm -hmm. live always to praise you, to glorify you, and so that others can see you in us. Dear God, thank you so much for this day and what you mean to us in your body. In the name of Jesus. Mm. Amen. Verse 19, Dr. Luke says, And Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember together. Now it's unleavened bread, so it's not supposed to taste good. Amen. Now if you would, take your cup. And peel back the other end carefully. When you've done that, just kind of lift it up a little bit so that I can see you've got it. Good, good, good. You know, the Bible also says that in Him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption, means we're saved, through His blood. 
the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So it's through, through the forgiveness of sin, through his blood, that we're saved. Friends, look at the contents of that cup for a second. That represents, that symbolizes the blood of Jesus Christ. And Brother Kevin Blankenship is going to give thanks for this before we partake. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for shedding the blood, Lord, that you didn't have to shed, Lord, for us. Mm. Lord, as we have seen simple cuts to our bodies, nothing compared to what you went through. And we're grateful. Lord, you did that so through you, Lord, we could see you again someday. Mm. And Lord, we thank you. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you forgive us where we failed you. Lord, that we can observe today, Lord, to be more about you and grateful for what you've done and what you're going to do. Lord, lead us. We ask that you continue to go before us. Lord, just teach us every day where we are, where we're going. Lord, for you have done for us and we're forever grateful. In Christ's name, amen. And all God's people said. In verse 20, Dr. Luke says, Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant, the new promise of God in my blood, which is shed for you. Let's remember together. Friends, what you've seen today illustrates the sacrifice that Jesus made for every man, woman, and child. And if you can bring yourself to believe that God loves you enough that he would send his one and only son to die and to pay the price for your sins and mine, listen to me, you can be saved today. Now, Christian, you already know that Jesus is your king. The only question that I'll ask you is to who have you given your allegiance? Who are you bowing down to? Whose throne are you bowing before? Are you bowing before the throne of the world? Are you bowing before the throne of riches? Are you bowing before the throne of self? Or are you bowing before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ? Every day, we ought to ask ourselves that question. To whom are we bowing? I pray that you'll let this service Serve as a springboard where you will repent and forsake any kind of sinful behavior that's in your life. I pray that you'll allow this special service to serve as a tool that might draw you to recommit your life to Jesus Christ the King. I pray 
you allowed this special service to be God's call on your life. God's call, not Bill's, not Bethel's. God's call on your life to join his work. While we sing, if the Lord has spoken to you, you come. Let's pray. Father God, you are the God of the universe and you sent your son to be our king. Why? Because we desperately needed to be redeemed. We desperately needed to be released from the bondage of sin. And Lord, we desperately needed to be ruled with the loving authority of your only begotten son. Lord, I pray that there's one here today, one that's listening in, that has not accepted the incredibly wonderful eternal gift of God in Jesus Christ, Lord, they don't have to let this day go by without knowing that they can have eternal hope and a place in heaven with you. Lord, let today be their day. But Father, I know personally, and I figure that many of us could also identify that we are guilty of bowing before the wrong throne. While we claim to bow before the throne of Christ, Oftentimes we allow self to take his place or riches to take his place or worldliness to take his place. And Lord, that's not our desire. And so today we forsake that. We turn away from that. And Father, we just pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would accept our voices of recommitment. And that Father, we would accept your invitation to join in your work. I can't think of any more incredible way to spend a lifetime than being plugged in to the work of God on earth. Lord, however you're leading your people this morning, Father, you speak to them and help them to be obedient and faithful. And if there's a decision to be made, Lord, let it be made today so that we go into Easter with a fresh heart, fresh minds, renewed minds, and a desire to serve you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. To God be the glory. Blessed is the King who has come in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.